If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome to Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. I am your host, Jay Cluett, and on this show, myself and my regular co-host, Mark Hoffmeyer, have gone through the entire Deep Blue Sea trilogy, one DVD chapter at a time, now looking at Deep Blue Sea adjacent films, uh, sometimes Mark is here, sometimes he is not, and uh, Deep Blue Sea adjacent films that are, those are films directed by Ronnie Harlan, uh, featuring sharks, or full of aquatic action, which is the case today with our Happy New Year episode, The Poseidon Adventure. What is the Poseidon Adventure? What is the 1972 American disaster film directed by Ronald Neem, but produced by Owen Allen, uh, more on him later, starring the likes of Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Red Buttons, Carol Lindley, Kelly Winters, Ronnie McDowell, Stella Stevens, Jack Albertson, a bunch of people. Leslie Nielsen's in there for a little bit. Loads of people. All-star cast. Or well, as my DVD copy says, uh, Gene Hackman and an all-star cast, which I think is a slander upon Gene Hackman's name, but there we are. Uh, so, I need someone to help me talk about this this film, a, a disaster movie fan. Uh, returning since last time he was on, I think it was for Jaws the Revenge, I'm sorry. Uh, back from Forgotten Films is Todd Liebenau. Todd, welcome back to the show. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I always tend to get these uh, holiday uh, episodes here. We did Christmas with Jaws <laughs> the Revenge. Now we're doing New Year's with the Poseidon Adventure. Yes, the accidental holiday episode of Jewels of Revenge. Uh, two, <laughs> two years ago now, I guess, yeah. Uh, yes, but we're, Peter, I'm always happy to talk to you at the holiday time. You and I are both uh, Christmas film fans, holiday film fans, I think. We've talked about them uh, yes. many times in the past. One often, in particular. Yes, uh, often involving all Muppets, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no Muppets on board the Poseidon that we know of. If they, if they are, they didn't make it. It's just sad to say. But uh, is it safe to say you're a disaster movie fan? Do you like disaster movies? I, I do. I, I, I got to admit, there's a few that I'm ashamed I haven't checked off the list yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're ones that are a lot of fun to sit down with. Um, you know, I love kind of when 
I pull up a movie on Letterboxd or something like that, and it shows the the classic poster and the Poseidon Adventure is a great example of this, where it's got the little boxes down across yeah. the bottom of all the stars because they want to make sure that you know all the big names that are in this movie. Um, you know, I, I can remember going to to other films like that in my youth. I mean, speaking of Gene Hackman, like I remember Superman, that was one of those movies that had the pictures at the bottom of the poster with all the people that were in this movie. So that's, that's just something nostalgic for me when they have those quote unquote, all-star casts and disaster movies uh, tend to have all-star casts. I'm right there with you. I feel like it's something we're missing these days. Uh, Well, we get get a couple. Roland Emmerich has kind of called the market a little bit. Uh, like and, they, and they've guess, they've gotten somehow sillier things like Mark is a big fan of Moonfall last year. Moonfall <laughs> is kind of what we get in terms of disaster movie this year. I've seen Moonfall. Yeah. It's not awful. It's not the it's worst fun. film ever. It's fun, it, but it yeah. knows exactly what it is, which is very very stupid. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, and Mark is down for that more than most people, I would say. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, when I think Mark loves when they're flying through the moon and there's a gravity wave and it's just it's it's nonsense. It's all nonsense, but it knows what it's doing. And it's it's kind of things you haven't seen before, which I can appreciate. Well, and that is the case with a lot of disaster movies, too, is that, you know, there's there's a level of silliness for sure. And a lot of times, you know, the ones that are like either the first in a series or the first that kind of tackle a certain subject matter are more serious and you can take them more seriously i think the poseidon adventure is kind of one of those but like i I think you and i both we often think of uh the airport franchise because we had a we had a wonderful bonding moment many years ago doing a podcast about all four airport films and you know they uh, the first one is a legit solid good film i mean it it was was the the best best picture picture. yeah yeah i mean you know and as the series go on, they just get sillier and sillier, and it's a joy to behold. <laughs> you know, so. Well, uh, one of those entries is very Deep Blue Sea adjacent, Airport 77, uh, which I'm planning to cover with one of the hosts of Airport Minute, eventually later this year, hopefully, just trying to get our schedule sorted. So we'll be covering Airport 77 uh, on, on Deep Blue Sea, the podcast soon, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I'm going to dig into that one. A lot then. But yeah, that was a, a wonderful show. Uh, me, you, uh, Nick, Robert, and... Will. Uh, and Will, of course, Will. The champion, uh, yeah. Yes, yes. All uh, former guests of the show. We had Will on very recently for Die Hard, uh, Die Hard 2. Um, yeah, that was a very, very fun, very, very... One of the longest Lambcasts I was involved in. Uh, <laughs> uh, so not the longest. But yeah, it was a, an excellent show. I recommend everyone go and seek that out. And obviously the airport franchise, so you can all out there, great. Uh, so I love disaster movies as well. Uh, I I love any kind of film that takes a limited number of people, traps them somewhere, and kind of whittles them down. That's that's kind of my go-to genre. <laughs> Whether they get whittled down by sharks or waves or just getting caught in things or just disappearing, <laughs> whatever so, whittles them down. So are you like... You know, I know you're like a spreadsheet type of guy. Or do you have like, you know, you're you're like, all right, at the beginning of the film, we've got this person, this person, this person. Who, who am I putting money on that's not going to make it to the end of the film? Oh, you know, 100%. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I had seen the Poseidon Adventure before. I hadn't seen the next film we're going to be discovering before. But I had a little 
check mark going on that. Okay, well, that person's just said something bad. They're going to die. I've <laughs> 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 seen the first Persona adventure, and you, at the start, you think, oh, any of these people could survive. And then when, when one character, when Mrs. Rogan, is like, I'm going first, I don't get stuck behind fat ass. They, oh, you just signed your death warrant. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Because you're a, a kind of empathetic character up until that point, and then you just suddenly made this. Oh, do you know you're in a film? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I like when characters disappear with no warning. That's kind of my favourite thing. Um, when they're they're not holding people up, they haven't done anything wrong, but they just get taken out. That's great. I love that. Mm-hmm. I like it in blindsided. It doesn't happen with the, the classic ones as much. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but Plan Adventure is is one of the earliest. Uh, uh, disaster films. Not the like airport came out before this. But this is one of the high points of the genre. Uh, but have you have you ever been on a cruise? You've been on a cruise ship? I have to you? not. No, no. I mean, I've been on on boats, just like you know, tooling around Lake Michigan or something like that. I grew I grew up in the Chicago area. You go up to Lake Geneva there, and you know, take the little boat tour or something like that. That's about the extent of my boat experience and like i've always you know i've said to my wife before i mean is that something you'd be interested in someday you know disney cruise i don't know what she's always like no i'd be too afraid i'd get seasick and be miserable the whole trip you know that so i don't know that a cruise is ever going to be in my future uh yeah i i have done a three-day cruise when my parents retired they kind of treated us all to a holiday uh, to a vacation so it was a, a family thing when we went to Bruges uh, from the film in Bruges. Apparently it existed mm. before the film, but I didn't care. <laughs> um, and her. one of the other little uh, islands off the coast of the UK. Somewhere. And uh, it was, the the tagline to the Poseidon Adventure is hell upside down, implying that hell is a cruise ship. Uh, <laughs> and uh, not far off, I would say. If you're the kind of person like myself and my wife who... We very much enjoy going outside and and the countryside and wide open spaces. Cruise ships, uh, not that. They mm-hmm. yeah, always bobbing and weaving and flowing. It didn't help that I had an infected bite on my leg, so I couldn't walk very much, uh, and it was just not a, not a fun experience where I would have been. Or putting me on a cruise ship, uh, so See, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the ocean in general is just I I don't know. I I've always grown up pretty landlocked you know like i said I, I grew up in chicago which is right on lake michigan but you know it's just you know it, it's not quite like you know there's no sharks in lake michigan <laughs> you know <laughs> nothing like that you know and now i live in colorado which is just completely landlocked we're we're a thousand miles from the nearest ocean uh so you know i yeah cruise ships are not uh not something that i'm you know, are really on my radar <laughs> being in the in the mountains of Colorado. Well, I would say if uh, cruise ship, if the idea of being on a cruise ship doesn't appeal to you, you're probably right. Uh, it's it, yeah, it's a specific kind of thing. My parents love them. More power to them. They're about to go on a quite a long cruise to South America. Great, wow. have fun. I'm not doing that anytime soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go with the film, shall we? So. I've seen this film a bunch. Apologies, listeners, if I sound terrible. I've got a, I've got a, I'm a bit sick of it. I apologize. Uh, Which is what happens on cruise ships a it lot. Indeed, you know, yes. aren't they like, you know, they're like petri dishes for people to catch all kinds of terrible diseases. Yeah, I, I, I think that is the case. Plus, you throw seasickness into the mix. Uh, mm-hmm. which, yeah, ne- never a fun time. 
so I I've definitely seen the Poseidon Adventure a bunch of times like as a kid. I think it's the first kind of disaster movie I liked. I've, I've said before uh, I'm a big fan of Daylight with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, where he gets tripped. Have you seen Daylight? I have yeah. once many many <laughs> moons ago. <laughs> Poseidon Adventure in a tunnel. Is <laughs> Uh, it follows a lot of the same beats, but there's a dog and some prisoners involved, and uh, Viggo Mortensen is an escape artist. Fails to a, escape. A dog is totally one of the things missing from the Poseidon Adventure. I will say that. You know, yes. there's no animals in peril, which, you know, come on. Yeah, there's, there's not at all. There's just people. Uh, which we haven't yet decided if we're going to talk about the remake. Um, I, I, if I do, it will be with Mark because it has uh, Scott Russell in it. And, Oh yeah, absolutely. We cannot talk about a Kurt Russell film without Mark. That's just the law of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the closest he's come to being in a deeply sea adjacent film, other than maybe Overboard. I can't think of. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I can't think of a Kurt Russell shark movie, and he's yet to work with Rennie Harlan. Uh, so there we go. So yes, mm-hmm. we might we might round yeah. out the month with Poseidon. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I, I'm guessing there's a dog in there at some point. That feels like it would be a modern addition to the to the plot. Uh, so yeah, this is one that I saw a lot as a kid. Loved it. I hadn't seen it for a little while. Watched it because it was New Year. Watched it on New Year's Day. And still really like this film. It's, uh, it does... Uh, Shelley Winters was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I may disagree with that nomination. We'll get there later on in that film <laughs> as, we, as we go through, I think. Um, the, I'll talk about it a little bit now. I, um, the the Dark Knight Rises Marion Cotillard gets a lot of guff for the shot where she dies in the Dark Knight Rises being a terrible moment of acting. Mm. Shelley Winters does not survive this film, um, <laughs> and her death scene is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's literally like flipping a switch type of thing, where it's just suddenly oh turn on the yeah. turn the off switch and we're dead. Yeah, she has a full conversation <laughs> dies. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get, I, I, I do, I, I get why though she got a nomination because I think there is something that's just irresistibly charming about what Shelley Winters is doing in this film. It's a little weird as I was reading a few things, getting ready for the podcast. Uh, first of all, watching the film. Um, yeah, and I've seen it before too, but I'm watching it and and just re- remembering how much in this movie Shelley Winters reminds me of my own grandmother. Uh, just you know, kind of the look, the attitude, the way she talks, and all that just reminds me a lot of my grandmother, um, who's been gone for for well over 30 years. So it's kind of like a, a a little flashback there. But then it's strange as I'm looking at like the trivia and stuff and like. Shelley Winters is the same age I am now when she made this film. So I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I'm thinking how much she reminds me of my grandmother, and I'm that age right now. I mean, people age differently in films these days. <laughs> yes. So she, yeah, she was in her early 50s in Side Adventure, but she's playing these days, her character would be 75, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it's the um, it's the guy from the thing, it's the, the, the Wolf of oh, it's the, Wolf, the Wolf Wolf of Brimley. Brimley. Yeah, there's well, a, heck, Wolford Brimley looked like that when he was 16. Come on. There, there's a Twitter account out there with something like the Wolf of Brimley line that that tweets when people get over when, when uh, celebrities age over how old Wolf of Brimley was in Cocoon, 
that's that's yeah. the account that exists. <laughs> and it's nonsense I, these days. I think I'm past that too, yeah. <laughs> If you if you tell me he was thirty eight in the cocoon or he was eighty three, I think I'd delightfully think... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and what I mean, her husband is oh, Jack, Jack Albertson, right? Yes. And which of Grandpa course is, is another another one of those actors who's gonna be, you know, eternally ancient because he was, you know, Charlie's grandfather in, in Willy Wonka. Yeah. So. Yeah, how old was he in Willy Wonka? That's got to be. That's 71. That's 71, and Jack Albertson was born in 1907. So, yeah, so he, he was 64. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, he's still, like, these days, he's, I don't know how old people were in the Tim Burton remake, because I may never see that film. But I'm guessing he'd be, like, 80 in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Tangent. So, uh, so, yeah, The Poseidon Adventure. Uh, I'd forgotten how much happens before the ship gets turned upside down, because uh, it just—it's it, like it's like a twenty minutes of, of film before the ship flips. There uh, is, there's a lot that goes on because you got to establish all the different characters and their yes. dynamic. I mean, that's that's a a uh, a trope of Absolutely. disaster films uh, for sure. At the same time, it doesn't feel like it goes on too long with that. I, one of the things that, again, as I rewatched it, I was like, wow, that's like the quickest two hours ever you know yeah. what i mean it just the movie just flies by <laughs> it does absolutely does i i agree yeah. it's it is a fun old time because it once the the ship flips and there's, there's like another 20 minute se- sequence of them in the ballroom trying to like convince more people to come and red buttons the least charismatic person in the world is going to convince <laughs> no one to come with him that was a bad decision <laughs> <laughs> Like you, nervous guy with no friends. Go get more people. <laughs> yeah, more like creepy guy with no friends. I mean, that's yeah, we'll the thing. Get that. he's, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of sitting there and you're going, yeah, I get why you're a little bit of a oh, loner. Confirmed bachelor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah his character plays differently these days. Uh, yeah. And um, there's, there's a like, 20 minute sequence down there. After that, they're just constantly moving. There's a few kind of dramatic sequences here and there when characters don't continue on. But everything is just moving, go, 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 which kind of makes sense because they've got to go because the water's coming after them. The water's going down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't stop the water. That's the thing. You cannot stop the sea. Uh, so let's let's kind of go through our characters here. Uh, so the main guy, our, our lead, is Gene Hackman, uh, the kind of uh, renegade reverend Frank Scott, who uh, preaches. He's to be the man of the man of the cloth. He's a preacher. But he preaches that people should just ignore God, do their own thing, and believe in themselves. Uh, <laughs> I love Gene Hackman in this film. Most disaster movies, I feel like one of their failings is not having a strong character at the helm. And mm. uh, Scott here, uh, Gene Hackman, he's not only is Gene Hackman one of the best actors just ever. Period. Just Absolutely. For, yeah, just one of my all time favorites. Yeah. Every, it should be everyone's. Uh, should be on everyone's list. Um, he also has a character who has like a lot of like, inner demons and trauma and just a lot going with him. He gives these speeches. He's He's got a lot of character to him. Whereas if you think about uh, another one I quite enjoy, The Towering Inferno, tell me any characteristic of Paul Newman other than he's an architect. <laughs> or of Steve McQueen other than he's a firefighter. Those are their well, characteristics of their jobs. 
Whereas you have any, he's like, Rick J, he's got a past. Things have gone wrong in his life. And I, I guess I had gone just long enough without having watched this film that as it started, I went, oh yeah, he's a preacher. You know, I was <laughs> like, it's like, oh, and, and I, I don't know. It, there's, I mean, Hackman is just so great at being this, you know, playing characters who are just, um, I don't know how to describe it. They're, you know, they take charge and, 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 you know, you're going to follow me type of thing. And, you know, that's this role, you know, absolutely. I mean, and I suppose if I really wanted to spend a whole lot of time on it, you could really just break this down from a religious angle, you know, into, you know, what, what happened with, with his character when it comes to, you know, whatever church he was in or, or, you know, disputes that he's had, you know, with, with other cl- clergy or whatever. I mean, you know, you almost get the impression as you're watching that, that, you know, he's not really caring that much about saving the, the people. He just wants to be right. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's also, I mean, you could draw parallels. I mean, like as I'm watching the scene where, you know, with the ballrooms flipped over and they're all supposed to climb up the Christmas tree and it's like, come on, this is your only chance and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, it's, it's like, you know, he's Noah and it's all the people that were laughing at Noah for building the ark, you know, and he's like, he grabs a few people that are going to join him on his, his silly idea here and everybody else gets washed away. <laughs> yeah yeah it does kind of feel very much a a luck of the draws who was at who was sat at his table Mm -hmm. Uh, because like the 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 rogos come along just because they were there and chatting to him like uh uh, it's more like does not want to go like because his wife's go (laughs) 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 and i mean ernest borgnine is just I mean, you, you've got a couple people in this movie who are, you know, the type of folks that anything they're in, I'm interested. Gene Hackman is one of them. And Ernest Borgnine is one of them because Same, yeah. he, he he just always brings something special. And uh, it's it, it's just a lot of fun. And, of course, I, I had a little chuckle watching this going, oh, yeah, Ernest Borgnine's in this. And, you know, to my son, like... I've tried to train my son in the ways of movies. You know, he's not quite up to speed on all the things I am, but it, he knows who Ernest Borgnine is because he's the voice of Mermaid Man on yeah. SpongeBob's SquarePants. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Another C like... connection there. <laughs> I mean, the, the SpongeBob movies are on a long list of films. I've never seen anything SpongeBob, so it, it would take some uh, deducing what the heck is going on. In that. Yeah, they're on a long list. I mean, yeah, I, I do like the Ernest Borgnine a whole new generation of fans through SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He just, just like you, he's a guy that I will watch in anything. He's, and he's been in some terrible films, uh, but he's always, he's always great in them. He's never bad. Like it's, I mean, Marty is, is his Oscar. He's fantastic in Marty playing a completely different character than he does normally in anything else, but he's always dependable. He's always like a kind of a working class guy. He's, he's like a normal guy, but he's, has an intensity to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he's a he's a police lieutenant who married his favorite hooker in this one, basically, <laughs> which is a great gimmick <laughs> for this. Like, but but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Borgnine 
he does bring this intensity, he brings something unique every time. The the one for me this year, I saw uh, Bad Day at Blackrock for the first time this past oh, year. That's um, still on my list. I haven't got that yet. Oh, and Borgnine's fantastic in that movie. So, yeah. Nice, nice. But, I mean, I love him in Dirty Dozen. He, he somehow doesn't get lost amidst the cast of the Dirty Dozen. He still manages to, to, to stand out. He's great in anything. I love. I don't know. Like, um, um, Escape from New York. I love. I love him as Cabby. Just, mm, just. Uh, yeah. He's not in it a lot, but he's great when he is. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> well, just... <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, his his uh, his part here. You know, he's he's a policeman. He's married his favorite hooker, and I, that's just a great dynamic. I love the dynamic between uh, him and Stella Stevens, and you know, kind of the. The, the bickering that they have in their cabin before the whole disaster happens and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, Stella Stevens, not someone I would put up there as, you know, a stellar actress and everything and all that. But I, I like the dynamic that she has with Ernest Borgnine in this. Yeah. They're, they're a believable couple. Yeah. They, they yeah. have that the moment before they go to the party where she's you know, concerned that people might recognize her. That's, that's a nice scene between the two of them. And yeah, yeah. yeah. They they offer a lot of the comic relief, I would say, um, mm. which you do always need in these kind of films. This is a very tense situation, trying to get out. So having some comic relief is a lot of fun. I love any time Ernest Borgnine has to deal with the kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I'm a proponent of saying I don't like children in films. Uh, Robin Shelby, one of the most annoying children in any film ever. <laughs> I would say. Um, uh, no offense to Eric Shea uh, as an actor, but uh, Robin is is irritating, uh, and I don't like him. Uh, so any time that he has an idea, it's going to be great. I'm like, God damn it! Uh, why why do we got to listen to this again? Uh, but Ernest Borgnine, uh, his response just like, yeah, yeah, shut up, kid, go away. <laughs> Anything the kid says, it's like, yeah, that'd be me. Uh, I get on with this guy, uh, and the the. When when the kids say like we need to go to the, the the back of the ship, it's where the steel is is thinnest. It's only an inch thick. And Rogue's like, Do you know how thick an inch of steel is? I hate when Gene Hackman comes in and goes, It's one inch thinner than two inches. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, it's still an inch of steel. <laughs> if there was no one on the other side of that, you'd be stuffed. Um fine. Uh so yes, we've got the Rogos, we've got um uh, got Robin Scott. And, uh, Red Buttons is here as as Mr. Martin, a lonely guy. He's a haberdashery shop owner. He's never found time for love. Keeps uh, a whole load of pills at every dinner party and runs very oddly along the deck every day at the same time with his elbows pinched in. It's his terrible and, running form. Wonders why he's at, alone. Running a haberdashery is apparently the the like you know most demanding job on the face of the earth because he has absolutely no time for a social life and all that. I mean, there's that line at the dinner party where he says something about, "Well, that's the life of a being a haberdasher or something like that." He says because like, the uh, the Rosens are going to see their grandson, and he says, "Tell them one thing: don't become a haberdasher." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll. I'll pass that one on to my to my children. Yes, okay. I had no idea it was such a demanding lifestyle, you know. Yeah. Bill yeah. Gates has got nothing on your local habitat. <laughs> he says he has like a 14-hour day every day, and it's just him. So we'll get help. Like, <laughs> yeah. Clothes on Sundays, I don't know. 
Yeah. So he's uh, as a character, he's fine, I guess. Like the kind of the meek guy who uh, is like a mediator between uh, when Rogel and Scott have their various arguments. Uh, and he's like he's friends with the Rosens, with Shelley Winters and Jack Hamilton, so that's how they get involved. But he does come off as quite creepy because uh, the singer Nonny, uh, she her, her brother, who I always thought was her boyfriend before he dies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but her brother, Nonny, is the singer in the band. Her brother is the guitarist. He dies when the ship flips over. A bunch of people die when the ship flips over. Most of them are extras. And um, he dies, so uh, Mr. Martin manages to convince her to come along. He's on the lookout for a lady friend. And there's like a 30-year age difference between them, and it's very creepy. And, yeah, it, well, yeah. it's like you watch that and you go, okay, which which part was originally written to be an older character than what they cast? Or or a younger, you know, vice versa. You know, was Red Button's character supposed to be a younger guy, or was Carolyn Lee's character supposed to be an older woman? Because, yeah, it's it's strange. It doesn't doesn't match up. <laughs> and yeah. You, just the whole time, you're you're... You're going, I, I I don't know. You're just going, man. Uh, you, you're you you you've just found that opportunity finally. You you haven't had time for the ladies, but now that it's a life or death situation, you're making your moves. It's it's weird. <laughs> yeah, if he was any less meek as a character, it would seem predatory. But as it is, as it's red buttons, it just kind of feels like she's his surrogate daughter. And he's just trying right, to save. Like, right. He's he skipped the whole having a partner and gone straight to being a parent. That's the the only way that it makes sense in my head. It's like there's no there cannot be a remote connection here. It's just it's just wrong. It doesn't like he's preying on her after her brother just died. That's bad news. You shouldn't don't do that. Uh, yeah. And so, and Carol Lindley's character. I mean, I, I like her a lot. There's a lot of movies I've seen her in, and she, you know, usually brings something you know that that's you know just a great sp- screen presence to uh to to a movie um here she's you know it's nice to see her but she's she's basically there to to cry and scream yes and, and you know down. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean it is a case, it's a case where i like the actress but what they give her to do is you know she's she's better than that so uh, this is i'm just looking through her cv this is all i've seen her in uh, I, I I had assumed she was a singer. Wasn't I like um, she's in Under the Yum Yum Tree with uh, Jack Lemon, which okay. again Jack Lemon, one of those people I'll watch him in anything. Uh, that's a fun flick. Okay, I'll, I'll add it to the list. Oh, Dean Jones. Okay, uh, that's a okay. Uh, so we and we we've mentioned the Rosens already. So an older couple going to see their grandson for the first time. He's two. We're going to see him for the first time in Israel. I liked them. Just kind of an older couple. She's a bit of a busy busy, a busybody. Keep, she doesn't like when people aren't married. <laughs> Which okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I, I know these people. <laughs> these people yeah. exist. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're nice. And then we have the the children. Uh, so Susan, Sue Martin, and her younger brother Robin, Jay, are traveling alone without their parents. They're going to meet their parents wherever they're going to. Pamela um, Sue Martin, Nancy Drew. That's that's where my generation knows her from. She was she was Nancy Drew on the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries series that aired in the the late seventies, I think it was on. So. Did she spend those series walking around in just her underwear the whole time? <laughs> no, no. Okay, good. 
yeah, that's uh, that's another thing. Like they probably wouldn't like this is like a young character. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the actress is nineteen uh, when the film was released, but young character who spends the entire film just walking around in. Uh, well, and they do that. They do that to um, to Stella Stevens too. I mean, you know, I guess yeah. You know, with a with a show, Shelley Winters, yeah. she had the opportunity, but no, she declined. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, the the uh, so Pamela doesn't get, uh, Susan doesn't get a lot to do. Uh, really, she just she seems to have a bit of a crush on Reverend Scott on Gene Hackman. Yes. Uh, which. I, I can understand. It's Gene Hackman. He's charismatic. Uh, but So her main thing is she just kind of follows him around. And then Robin Shelby just gets to be annoying the whole time. Uh, <laughs> do you find him annoying or is that just me? Just oh, no, he's, he's <laughs> annoying. He's annoying. You know, he's a know-it-all kid type. And, you know, he's another one that he showed up on all kinds of TV series in the 60s and 70s. Um, you know, he's a guy, a kid that, you know, I see him and I go, oh, I know him. He's been on lots of things and, and just, you know, looking over things real quickly. I can see that, you know, he was on the, uh, an episode of the Brady Bunch. He was on Batman, you know, so the, he, he showed up on all those shows that I used to watch reruns of uh, as a kid. So, yeah, definitely a familiar face and often as kind of a, you know, kind of a bratty kid. What kind of character did he play on Batman? Well, I was just looking it up here. He's in the episodes. Um, he's in Comeback Shame, which is, I think, Shame was played by Cliff Robertson, I think. So it's kind of a cowboy uh, episode type of thing. Um, but it just shows his character name is Andy. So I'm like, all okay. right, I don't remember what that means. I, I mean, you know, I did, I did a extensive series going episode yes. by episode through through the original '66 Batman series, but. I do not remember specifically how his character factors into things. So that was a, a great series reading about all these shows I've never seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the Batman the movie. But I haven't seen any of the TV show. Um, I feel like I have now, just from reading your column. So that was good. Uh, okay, so he's here. And then the only other, uh, the only other person that goes with them is, I'm going to guess, not long enough for you, uh, Roddy McDowell. Because I always forget he's in this. Uh, uh, oh yeah it's i mean this is the one of, of all the characters that don't make it to the end i mean he's one of the first to go right he is um, the first uh, of, yeah. of, the, of the 10 who goes with them he is the first because he's got an injured leg and he falls off a ladder and yeah. uh, uh Borgnine goes down to save him but can't find him that happens a lot and, in, the, in these kind of films is someone falls in the water <laughs> dissipates <laughs> It's, not, like, it's like a tunnel. It's like it's a, a, not that wide of a shaft. Where he couldn't have gone many places. Oh, it's a <laughs> it's a bottomless pit. No, that's the way it works. But yeah, I mean, it's Roddy McDowell. It's like no, you don't get rid of Roddy McDowell halfway through the movie. Come on. <laughs> and he's he's just like a a genial, just kind of Scottish waiter uh, who like he knows the shit. He's like, oh, come along with me. Let's go. We're gonna go this way. I'm stuck up here. Oh no, you come up to me. He's just kind of helpful. Calls uh, everybody sir. Yeah. yeah you know. The nice guy dies. Uh, so that is a shame. And I, I, and I generally he, didn't know it was Roy McDowell until the credits. Wait, and he's the wait, reason they're the... having so much success early on, you know, because he, he knows the ship and all that, you know. Yeah. So he's he's the one that's getting them where they need to be. So, so if, he'd, if he'd stuck around, we'd listen to the kid less. 
Oh, <laughs> Get rid of the kid. Keep Roddy McDowell. Absolutely. Yeah. Throw that kid off the ladder. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go down and try and find him too. Oh, you disappeared as well. Oh, well. Uh, now, so. now, Jay, <laughs> I, I don't want to steal your thunder here. I'm not trying to disrupt you know, your structure for the show, but you know, you were talking about the cast and you said, you said last. And I realized it's the people that went with them. Of the people you've got Roddy McDowell, but yeah, no, we've got to go. We've got to, we've got to talk about Leslie Nielsen because Leslie Nielsen is the captain (laughs) of the ship. This was back when Leslie Nielsen was a uh, legitimate dramatic actor uh, before he, he, he uh, became Frank Drebin. And I don't know. Did you ever watch him when he was on SNL? When he hosted SNL? Oh, I think I've probably seen that, but it's been a long time. I watched his monologue uh, fairly recently where he basically says that he he's known for being a comedic actor, uh, but he doesn't understand why, because he just delivers everything like he's a dramatic actor, and people seem to find it funny. And I, I, mm. I hadn't, I mean, it seems so obvious now, but just watching anything he does, he just does it dramatically, and it's funny. He just has that way about him. So even in yeah. The Poseidon Adventure, when he's He's up on uh, up on the bridge. So it's the bridge, not just on a starship. It's a bridge on a normal ship, right? I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Not on Star Trek, but it's still the bridge. Uh, he he's like talking to the engine room, and he's talking to the their version of Mister Rosemary from Titanic. He's like, "What the headlines? Let's go, let's go, let's go now. Go faster. I'll, I'll sack you." Uh, and um, his his just delivery, delivery of like, "Oh, uh, say up when the engine room is quite rude to their version of Mister Rosemary, whose name I do not know." Uh, he's like, say it louder, he's next to me. He's hilarious. He's like, there's, there's comedy to everything he says, just because he's Leslie Nielsen and he has a funny yeah. face. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. You know, a lot of his earlier performances now, his more dramatic performances, take on a different tone because we associate Leslie Nielsen as being a comedic actor now. The, the truth of the matter is, it's performances like this that he's given here in the Poseidon Adventure, which is part of why airplane his performance in airplane was so successful because he does play it absolutely straight um and and yet you know just the tone of that movie gives a whole different spin on it and it's it's completely brilliant and (laughs) and nielsen is is fantastic in the short amount of time that we we get him here you know just as this stern captain and and you know this is my ship and all that kind of stuff. It's it's wonderful. And, you know, again, you know, talking about being sad that Roddy McDowell exits early, uh, you know, th- there's a part of me that, you know, though there's not a lot about it, this movie I would change. I, I, I almost desperately wanted them to find, uh, you know, a, a you know, near-death Leslie Nielsen bobbing in the water to <laughs> deliver a few last lines before he makes his official exit, you know, in this movie. Yeah. Or like some, somehow he gets sealed into the the bridge and he's still giving like sending out a a, a signal a, a distress signal somehow. Right. They, they keep cutting back to and back back down here. Let's go on to back with the captain. Oh, he's mm-hmm. still dying. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. Uh, well, yeah. and 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 the guy that's there with him, you know, the the company guy that's giving the orders. I mean, that that is, I think, one of the disappointing aspects of the film is you don't really get a satisfying end for that villain you know you you want to see them get get what's coming to them and i mean granted almost everyone on the ship dies but still (laughs) well i don't know if they kept making sequels they could have found half the bloody uh, passengers just for the sequel to this one uh but it's more than that uh but we we do get 
as once the captain and the uh, his vaguely guy, once they aren't there, we do get a new villain in the ship of the purser. Uh, who, who's like the purser? Really, the guy in charge of the ship. He'll tell everyone he wants to know. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the one who doesn't want anyone to leave. Very angry, Fur- furious man in the party. And yes, I I was sad we didn't get a close up of when the water rushes in and all of the other, all the extras die. Just like him getting trampled to death or something. <laughs> 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 well, and that's I mean. It's a great scene as it is. I gotta admit, you know, I mean, the, you know, the, he, Hackman's shouting at them, and you know, they should come, and they they say, "No, we're following the purser." And then, you know, immediately the water starts to yeah. rush in, and they all run for the Christmas tree, and they're all trying to to make their way up, and Hackman's desperately reaching for them, and all that. It's 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 glorious. It is. It is a. And then when when uh, Hackman goes back to the to the crew to his survivors. Just their expressions of like, what the hell is happening there? What did you see, man? <laughs> Especially Bullnine. Yes. Bullnine has such such a great face for this kind of thing. This kind of bug-eyed. What did what did what did we miss? Actually, don't tell us. We don't want yeah. to know. Yeah. So they cl- they climb up a big Christmas tree, very handy Christmas tree, the height of the room, uh, to get out. That's a, that's a nice scene. And then they're off. And from there, it's quite simple. Just just keep going up. Uh, so they they you know they go through tunnels. It's when you That's when uh, but Akers falls off, and Rogo does go down to save him, uh, but it's unable to. And then when they tell Scott, like, oh, Akers didn't make it, he just yells at him. Massive argument, because they've also found the Doctor and a bunch of other passengers and the nurse at this point heading the wrong way, and they won't listen. Mm-hmm. And so they are never found. But, um, maybe. We'll, we'll talk about those in a couple of weeks' time. That was, um, That party. So yeah, tensions of caught between Scott and Rogo, and I, I just I I just like this whole sequence. I just like the the progression. Like it's going up, we're gonna drag people up with the fire hose up the stairs. Just the setting of it's a luxury cruise liner. Everyone's in their finest uh, uniform, their finest Mm -hmm. like fancy dresses, but they turn it upside down and it's on fire, and the water's going in. It's just a nice, yeah, it's a nice setting of it's an upside down boat. I, I I find myself, you know, like looking at the ceiling a lot, which is technically the floor, you know, to, to try and get my bearings as to, you know, how everything relates to to what we're seeing. And I, I mean, I've never been on a cruise tri- ship. I don't know how all these things work, but I'm always a little bit, you know, like, OK, what is tied down and what's not tied down? You know, like because the in the ballroom, the tables are tied down because the pianos are not. <laughs> yeah, because Pamela Sue Martin is is you know sitting up there dangling. From <laughs> what are you the doing tables. up there, sis? Yeah, that's a stupid question. <laughs> but like the chairs, I'm trying. I'm like, aren't there? I, I thought I saw a few chairs on the ceiling at some point. I'm going, would the chairs be tied down? How does that work? I I some don't... of them are. Uh, I, I'm struggling to remember the, the the two days I spent on a cruise ship. Uh, the tables definitely are. The chairs, I don't think they are because you need to like move them to like get right. out of the table. But some of them might be for like benches, they might be. But yeah, the pianos definitely not tied down, definitely should have been tied down. I don't, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know why it's so satisfying just to watch a room tilt and people fly down this giant slide and get crushed by a piano. I don't know what it is <laughs> I find so satisfying about that. <laughs> 
Well, and it's fun to watch those scenes and, and try to pick out, okay, well, that's a scene that's on a gimbal of some sort because I can see stuff moving. But that scene, they're just doing the Star Trek thing. They're just going, yeah. whoa, totally to the clear. left. You know? <laughs> they're just tilting the camera. Everyone's fine. <laughs> right. It practices a bunch of times. But yeah, it's, you know, in in the big ballroom, they they put some kind of a tilt to it, I'm guessing. But in yeah, in, it's just eight people walking down a corridor. Just shake the camera a little bit. It's fine. Everyone, everyone go left. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all well done. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's oh, yeah. very popular, this film. Like it, it cost, according to Wikipedia, it cost less than $5 million to make back in 72. It made $125 million. Oh, dang. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, won a lot of awards, you know, got a lot of, you know, Got a lot of recognition there. I mean, the, you know, the visual effects, I think, was one of them. I, I think it won a visual effects Oscar, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it, it won visual effects and uh, best song. The song. We got to talk about the song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was also nominated for best sound score, John Williams, uh, editing, costume design, cinematography, art direction, and supporting actress for Shady Weapons. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, an awards darling. That's fun. Uh, what do you want to talk about the song? Let's get the song out of the way, please. Well, <laughs> I, I just always think it's funny when these disaster movies have a song in them, you know, because I mean, and and I, I say this as someone who I, I love movie songs. I, I love I, I grew up in the 80s. So, you know, every movie tried to have a hit soundtrack in the 80s. I've got a, a, a monster playlist on Amazon Prime that is just all soundtrack songs from the 80s and it just goes on and on because there there were tons of them but it's always kind of funny the way that they try to i mean it's almost like you could tell they're they're going well what's one more nomination maybe we yeah. can get well if we throw in a song maybe we can get one and <laughs> this song the the morning after i mean first of all whenever i hear this one especially in the context of the movie i i think it makes me think of the TV movie the day after, uh, yeah, which was, yeah. of course was that, you know, nuclear war one that, you know, came out in the eighties, um, which, you know, I, I would not watch. I still have not watched it to this day because I was scared to death when that thing came down. Um, but so I hear that, that title, the morning after, and I think the day after, but I think that, that does, it's an appropriate kind of hook, I guess, for a, a disaster movie. It's almost, it's almost ominous, you know, <laughs> guess what? Something really bad is coming, but, but there's going to be another day. Maybe not for you, but maybe for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does. I mean, they have a little bit of backstory saying that the band was like picked up in Gibraltar and they were offered a free ride. Uh, if they do the music for free. And it's like, that's more backstory. It's a ship. With a New Year's Eve party, they're gonna have a band. Like, you don't yeah. need to have. They just say, "Oh yeah, that's the band." Oh, we <laughs> left. We were planning this big party, but we forgot the band. Yeah, they, Maybe uh, we can pick someone up in Gibraltar. They stole a lifeboat. They headed out to sea. They're, they're gone. The band. So, because <laughs> they need to have something for Ronnie McDowell and his like his colleague to talk about when he's like fawning over Nonny. That one thing. It's an odd. It's more than we needed. I don't know. Uh, we could have just assumed, oh, you're the singer, you're the waiter. Okay, let's go. We can tell that by what you're doing. You're singing and you're attending to people. But, right. Uh, but there we are. Um, 
It's not Carol Lindley singing, singing the song either. She's no, dubbed. It's, yes. It's yep. not, uh, yeah. I just found alternate casting. Apparently Gene Wilder was originally cast as, as James Martin, as, as Mr. Martin. Uh, I would have loved that. A great day. No offense to Red Buttons, but he's no Gene Wilder. <laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah. yeah. About Lancaster was going to be the Gene Hackman character, but you turn it down. I'm okay with that. That would have been a different kind of intensity. I would have been all right with that, but I mean, I'll I'll put Gene Hackman in anything. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, every movie should have Gene Hackman in it. And Sally I'm Kellerman is going to be Linda Roger. <laughs> yeah, that still would have been fine, I guess. Uh, okay, so uh, so they make their way through. Acres Acres dies. Make it. And then they get to uh, a water section where they need to swim through. And it turns out that Shelley Winter's character, Belle Rosen, uh, she used to be uh, a very good swimmer uh, for uh, Girl Guides group. Uh, so when Gene Hackman swims through, he gets stuck. She goes in after him, uh, frees him from the wreckage. They get through, and then she just dies. Of, I'm assuming a heart attack. They have a Big yeah, dramatic what... sequence of like, oh, give this to Manny, tell him to give it to our son, grandson, yada yada yada. What what I find most heartbreaking about that scene is there's a rope and the other people are at the other end of the rope waiting for a tug so they can start coming mm-hmm. through. And because everything's going on, Gene Hackman and Jenny Winters they don't give that tug. And her husband's just either side of it like waiting. And the other tug he could have got there. He could have said goodbye. But they don't they don't have that moment. I don't think that's dwelt on enough. In this film, but they don't. <laughs> he's just got well, Ernest Borgnine like waiting for the tug. Like, well, you got yeah. they got to keep moving quickly, you know. And they do they do move past the uh, you know the deaths pretty quickly. The, you're right. You're right. They probably should have focused on that one a little bit more. But I guess it was enough to get an Oscar nomination. So that's yeah. the way it works. But you you know you also get it, it's a it's a great moment with Ernest Borgnine when he goes through and he finds gene hackman and he finds uh you know uh shelly winter's dead and then he's got to go back and he and, and hackman tells him not not yeah. to tell what do i tell him <laughs> tell him nothing yes yeah. and of course jack albertson asks the question when he gets back and as soon as he asks it you see the look at ernest borgnine's face and you go she, this guy she cannot got through. Lie. She made it through. he can't lie <laughs> he's not you're a terrible cop mate ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear yeah and so immediately Jack Albertson just dives in the water and heads off yeah and you know they I, I love to I mean another thing that you know you get in these disaster movies is where you know certain characters have things in their history that's going to somehow contribute to whatever they have to accomplish yeah. and in this case it's you know that Shelly Winters just happens to have been a swimming champion at some point. And like, I don't know about you, but I watch these movies and whenever that type of scene comes up, I go, I don't have anything in my (laughs) past that's going to be useful to that. I mean, like if I was in a disaster movie, you know, what's going to come up? You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I've been on your show other times before we've talked about, you know, I've been a puppeteer in my life. And I, 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 I know how to make, Dolls wiggle. I can do that, and you know, is anyone good at movie trivia? We need that now. (laughs) 
I I have absolutely nothing that I can contribute to uh, to being a a person in a disaster movie. I I would not. Everybody would die if it was me. I I feel like I'd end up being in the in the Rogo's um, role. Like somebody else is in charge, and I'm just kind of doing the the physical work behind it. So I you know I I run. I I'm like quite an active person. Still quite a big guy, but um, that would just be me. I'd just be like helping. I'll be like the 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 blunt instrument behind just like moving rocks and stuff. That's what I can do. That's what <laughs> that's what I really like about daylight. If in like spoiler for daylight for the first like third of it, you have the character, the Vicar Watson's character, who is an escape artist. He's like, this is the perfect, you're the, like the ideal person to be here, and he is the first one to die because <laughs> he just <laughs> he has all the skills, he has the gear, but he doesn't know how to work with a team or listen to people, so he just gets taken out. So it's not even about like having the skills and being being like a good, having have, just having the required skills to be under there. You need to like work as a team as well and be a good person and not just hey, film me climb up this thing. I sh- oh, I'm dead. Like that's yeah. that's what I love about daily. Um, no, I'm I'm spindly and easily injured. I I would be I'm Roddy McDowell in this. <laughs> in this but you keep area. on telling me about I need to come to Colorado and climb some mountains. So you, I mean, maybe you have some mountain experience. I've got I I've got uh, lungs that can maybe take thinner air than the average person, but that's maybe about it. <laughs> maybe that'll do. I don't know. Well, when I say climbing it, I mountains, I, I'm talking about walking a trail that gradually gets higher in elevation. I'm not like you know we're not talking cliffhanger here, Mr. Running Harlan. <laughs> so yes, well neither am I. I mean I, I've we did uh, Snowden this past year, but it's still it's up a trail with, with we were with other people. <laughs> we, we we took a dog that's a foot tall, and he man, he managed it up and down like it was just a walk in the park. So, yeah, no. Anyway, the dogs are much do a much better job with that. I'll be aching for days. Yeah. Uh, I recommend going Snowden. It was fun. Anyway, uh, terrible view at the top if it's if it's cloudy, but what what, what do you know? Uh, so yeah, so uh, uh, Mrs. Rosen dies. Manny is given up one minute to say goodbye to this woman that he's been married to for decades. And I feel mm. like in that situation, I'd need to be like pried away, like dragged yeah. away. I don't, I don't see, cause I, everyone else heads off and Gina was like, you got a minute, catch us up. I, there would be no catching up. I just, I, 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 I don't have to come back and drag me off. I feel like, uh, but he like, this is a film. So Jack Alwazen gets up and walks off. I'm ha- I'm half expecting Hackman to be there looking at his watch going 15 seconds 58 59 <laughs> all right time's up yeah <laughs> I have spoiled the moment just a little <laughs> um, uh, so they also there's now eight people left and they have this uh, mangled wreckage of wires and catwalks and things They're like this this will lead up somehow somewhere um, and they climb up to get to the top of it and then there's some kind of an exit, it gets blocked off by, there's a, a wheel that needs to be turned, but there's steam coming out, blocks the wheel, and uh, eruptions from inside. During all of this, Mrs. Rogan falls into fire and dies immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could have been anyone, she just wanted to have to be standing nearest the edge. So yeah, she's gone. And then it's the second she has passed, Mr. Rogo, falls straight into this monologue he's had prepared 
since the second they started trying to escape. Yes. Uh, blame, blaming. You killed her! <laughs> blaming, like, blaming uh, uh, Scott for taking the only thing he ever loved in this world. Uh. And, I mean, to, to say that, that Mrs. Rogo falls is almost a stretch because it's, <laughs> it's like, it's almost, are you sure she didn't jump? Because it almost <laughs> looks like it. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, it's it did feel very much like a wait, how many people are alive? Okay, let's kill her. Yep. Let's get let's get one more is eeny meeny miny okay, guess what? You you insulted Mrs. Rosen earlier. She was helpful, so now it's your turn to die. Yeah. Stella Stevens, it, it's gonna be you, but we'll we'll give you an extra grand if you die. So And then just just to cope with uh, Ernest Borgnine's ranting and raving, the only thing Gene Hackman can do is sacrifice himself. I feel like just to get out of the situation. So he Jumps onto the wheel, manages to turn it through all the hot steam, uh, whilst ranting at God to let them live. Uh, what, what does he need? Kill him as well. Uh, and so then he just turns the steam off, and then he just drops down into the water, it, and we never see him again. And, uh, and that's that's the biggest crime of the film. <laughs> yeah, because don't you? I mean, you know, I realize we're going we're going to do a whole nother episode here, uh, at, you know, going into the, the, the sequel, but you know, shouldn't the sequel have been like, you know, Gene Hackman emerging from the flames. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that should have been the end begins. of this film. Like, cause we, <laughs> we never see the body. I just, I, oh, I always, I always remember that he falls in. I always forget that he doesn't come back. I know. It, but, well, <laughs> It's not convincing because it's Gene Hackman. You're going, no, he's not it's dead. It's the hero of the dead. film. That's Gene Hackman. <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> Ugh, he's been so like physical nope. and like, present and getting everyone to grow the whole time. And then he just, he falls. Yes, the fire is on water. The, the water is on fire. The fire is on water. Water is on fire that he falls into. But only on the surface. He, like, he could eat in any other film. Any other film made mid-90s onwards. He drops down. Swims out, gets out, finds another yep. way out. It's what happens right. in daylight. The, the same, like they find another way out. Uh, well, and the the other thing about the seed too is the whole the whole shouting at God thing, which um and and you know take me instead. And I was thinking, oh, this is seventy two. They do this again. I mean, that's the end of the Exorcist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a year later. <laughs> Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but yep, you're completely right. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I don't like the whole like take me instead, like uh, yell, yelling at God. Like, well, what's it going to take? I do, I don't like blaming all of this on religion. I'm not a religious person. We're not going to get into that. It's just I don't like. I know that his his character was in a preacher this whole time, but if I would have preferred at the end of it. He just like ah, sod it. God's not real. I just like, he just. <laughs> And he takes this all as a sign, like to, to renounce his religion rather than it was God. He just needed one more sacrifice, and then it'll work. <laughs> but see, if he had done that, if he you know jumped onto the big red wheel and and that, and he's shouting at God, he's going, he's going, you you you're not real. I denounce you and all that stuff. And then like you know, suddenly the hull of the ship would open up and a light would shine. And, oh! <laughs> And Ernest Borgnine and, and 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 you know all the rest of them float out magically and then and then the the hole closes back up and is engulfed <laughs> in flames. 
We're leaving Gene Hackman still in there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would that would certainly be an ending. <laughs> yeah. So so he sacrifices himself. Uh, Rogo takes the lead after. Well, yeah, he takes a moment to recover. He needs to get. So how? So if if for the logic of this film. Gene Hackman sacrificed himself. If all it took was one more sacrifice, if he'd like thrown red buttons off the catwalk, would they have got out? Was there anyone, or did it have to be him? You know, I mean, Gene Hackman was convincing all of them to do all this stuff throughout the movie. He, you know, I think he probably could have said, "Hey, Mr. Martin, come on over here. All you got to do is jump on that that uh, that wheel there and give it a couple spins. I'll grab you. I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back." <laughs> He yeah. starts throwing stones at him once he's on there. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting him with a pipe. Nani is mine! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no more lead of the film. Ernest Baldwin takes over. He he pulls himself together after uh, Mr. Martin tells him to. So they make their way up to the, the bit where it's only an inch thick steel, which is one inch thinner than two inches, as we know. Yeah, so they start hitting it with, with pipes. Fortunately, someone has gone on to save them. Cuts them out. Six survivors. Hooray! No one else came out came off the boat. Uh, and that's there was a big old party in there, and only six people got out. And that's uh, well, not good odds. And I, there's a part of me that thinks Ernest Borgnine, his first words out of there would have been, you know, my wife just fell. Go see if you can find her. <laughs> but the the reverend just fell. See if you can find him. You know, I mean, I mean, this, these things just happened, and and the rescue guys are there. That's kind of their job, you know. Yeah, yeah. They just, they just take the word of these of these six people. Like, no, we're all that made it. Yep, that's it. That's it. They don't no even more. try. I, I mean, a guy was alive, just fell into some water. That like, I mean, we wouldn't even try. It's just, it's just no hope. So like, when, I mean, when you think I, about the next film, the other survivors <laughs> weren't that far away. You're right. There's a lot more, and there's a lot more time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they do say maybe put, you know, put up a perimeter. <laughs> Let's get to work. They they do say there's there's that that boat that stayed afloat for ten hours after it was hit. Yeah. Um, this this one's up for longer than that. I'm saying it gets hit at midnight. It's like daylight when more people arrive, and it's mm. December. Uh, so anyway, more on that soon. Um. Yeah, so that's the Poseidon Adventure. I still like it. Good film. I think it, I it, do too. It, it works great. as a disaster movie by having a, a simple premise. It's a boat upside down, and you know what's happening. You know the characters are trying to get up and get out. There's, there's no there's no like secondary plot. There's no madman behind the wheel kind of thing. It's all just nature taking its course on this boat. Get out and you've got good characters, yep. great actors doing the job. Right. That's, fun premise, yeah. fun characters, good performances. Yeah, that's that's what we, we need simplicity in these kind of things, and it works. Not uh, later. Uh, so the Poseidon Adventure, great film. How is it like Deep Blue Sea? Well, I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. There's a preacher in it. Yes, I was gonna say. <laughs> I think as soon as right at the beginning when you said Gene Hackman's a preacher, I I was like, oh well, that's that's uh, that's the yep. the the marriage right there. It's you know, no, it does not have preacher. a bird, but is a preacher. Uh, there is a discuss discussion of wave height. Uh, there is a singing cast member. Uh, the Shelby boy has uh, Kid Scoggins energy for me. He has all the information. <laughs> not a compliment. 
But he has all the information about where they are. Yeah, and that's what we're just going to say. Yeah, it's an old facility that's not holding up very well. There's a party scene, there's radar use, there's an incoming storm at sea, there's a kitchen scene, there's a flooded facility that they're, making, they're trying to make their way up. They're wading through corridors, climbing up a ladder in an elevator shaft. Uh, someone falls off the ladder and dies. Uh, they they find a dead body underwater at one point. Uh, that one actually that's in the I can't remember dead body underwater. Um, uh, lots of shots of Mrs. Rogo in her underwear. Um, in the case with Saffron Burrows. Uh, pipe spewing hot steam. The preacher talks to God. There's a high sacrificial jump into water, and wheel turning to get out. Lots of wheel turning in Deep Sea. Lots of doors. These aren't all the most obvious it's, stuff. I feel like Preacher... practically a remake. It's practically, practically a remake. A remake. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I was on Emily Slade's podcast where this film to talk about uh, uh, Daylight again. And when I watched that, there, there's so many similarities between Daylight and Poseidon Adventure. That would be a, a much longer list, I feel like. Uh, but we have one other thing to do, which is how deep and how blue is the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, so, Todd, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you know, Deep Blue Sea is... About 47.5 feet deep, 31% blue. Do you reckon the Poseidon Adventure is deeper and or bluer than that? I don't think so. I don't Because, I, I mean, yes, they have to climb a lot of levels, but I don't think they get quite that deep, it doesn't seem. Uh, so I don't think it's as deep. Uh, do I don't you... know how big these cruise ships are. You know, they're, I mean, some of them, I mean, it's not like today's. Today's are huge. Um I mean, it's still pretty big, but I don't know. Uh, I, I had but to it's... do some guesswork a little bit, uh, but you're you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked up how uh, how what, what height of a ship deck is because uh, they talk about at one point they have to they have to go through eight decks of deck. Right. And so I found out that a ship deck is about nine foot six. Uh, which allows for a couple of feet of like wiring and vents and stuff between them, which is about three meters. But then the ballroom would have been about sixteen foot, so about five meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I, it does actually. I was going to work out deck wise where they're going from one place to then it, it all kind of works out nicely. This is a nice, easy film to do depth wise. Uh, it came out to being about seventeen point three feet deep on average. Because they do spend quite ah. a lot of time. All that time they spend before they get flipped, they're quite high up, but after them being quite low down afterwards right so it kind of balances out and then yeah uh blueness about 13 percent blue not not terribly blue uh but also yeah not not awful you know it's we've had blue we've had less blue uh it's it's not a terribly colorful movie to start with I not, mean, they're yeah. lurking around in the dark and and you know under the water and things like that so yeah it doesn't get very blue yeah so this is our this is our. Uh, oh, it's almost exactly as deep as Deep Rising. Uh, so it's slightly <laughs> less deep. It's between Piranha 3D and Deep Rising. So it is our. Uh, it's our thirteenth deepest film. Uh, Blueness. Uh, it is just un- just above Shark Night 3D and just below Santa Jaws, another holiday film. Uh, so it's, it's our thirty third bluest film. Uh, so everyone wants to know that, I'm sure. Uh, good. Well, that's been our discussion of the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, 
Pod is going to come back very, very soon for the next episode because we're going to talk about... Say what? We have to talk about Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. Because yes. it's it, not only is it a sequel to Poseidon Adventure, it's a terrible Michael Caine sequel. And that's what Todd does <laughs> on this show. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Todd will be back on the next episode, but before then, what have you got to plug, Todd? Oh, well, my blog is called Forgotten Films. That's at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com, and I have a podcast, which is called The Forgotten Filmcast. Uh, so that's where we talk about what I always call the movies that time forgot, things that are a bit off the radar, uh, you don't get a lot of press these days we we cover films from all sorts of different eras there's a recent episode on there with with jay hey, where we talk me. about a a prison escape movie or not a prison escape movie a prison riot movie that's called riot in cell block 11 so yeah be sure to check that out yeah it's uh it's a fun film featuring a cast member from connor uh, it's always a good time uh excellent well you can find me and, and Mark talking about the aforementioned Con over, Conair over on Conair the podcast. We're going through scene by scene. And uh, Todd recently did a wonderful job guest hosting Lampedy uh, so that I could take part over on the Lampcast. That's movie trivia based mm-hmm. on Jeopardy. Uh, we had a tournament for 2022. I did. I made it to the final in that tournament. So you should go and listen to that final now. It was an excellent, excellent show uh, over on the Lampcast. Uh, but I mean, Todd's going to come back this week. I will also be here. I'd say next week, probably two weeks. Uh, it, it, but like immediately after this for us, so time. Uh, so as for the Poseidon adventure, thank you to my guest Todd Liebner. Thank you. I've been Jake Lur, and we'll deep blue see you again soon. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.